0: So today, we'll be chatting about finding our self-worth. So how I like to structure um, my discussions, they're very natural, very um, conversational. So I'll define the topic, define areas of the topic that I've been thinking about over the last week or so. And then hopefully later on we get a chance to delve into some questions and discussions and comments and reflections. So, uh, if you have a pen and paper, if you, um, are someone who is more confident with, with speaking or prefers typing in, into the chat, either option. But, um, I hope we do get a chance to have a nice lively discussion at the end of this. So, finding our self-worth When this topic was raised Originally it was presented to me as Because I, I asked what topic do you want me to speak on And initially I was given the role, of, the role youth can play in ISKCON, Okay, And I thought, alright um, There's some underlying um, questions here uh, in order to be able to answer that, there's, there's, there's the question in and of itself is, is um, maybe three, four, five steps ahead of where we need to begin. Because the real question about finding role, uh, whether it's this organization or that organization, this institution or that institution, whether you're young and old, it's really a question of belonging. All right, Um, how can if how can we find a sense of belonging? Okay. And on top of that, how can we feel we have something valuable to offer? All right. So to answer this question, um, I feel we have to consider what it is that we define as valuable and self-worth and when we understand the value that we can bring, or in other words, our self worth, we'll be able to more clearly define our role in the world. Okay. So if you approach the topic, just from an external and a superficial overview, you run the the risk of omitting um, the important discussion of transformation that has to take place in order for one to feel like they have Purpose, a place of belonging, and most importantly, a sense of self-worth. Okay, so I hope everyone understands why this topic today is is important. uh, Finding our sense of self-worth. So, what is self-worth? Okay. Um, First of all, let's define what it is not. I think it's important to know what something isn't before we can understand what it is. Okay. So often our idea of self-worth is based on an external quantitative measure of our value as people. So I'll reiterate that statement. Often our measure of self-worth is defined as an external quantitative measure of our value okay so for instance my sense of self-worth is based on my net value or my bank balance Um, the grades i get in school um, my job my title um, being in a relationship or not being in a relationship uh, how many followers i have on this platform and on that platform um, my position in society, uh, and so on. Your social status, in other words. So all these external factors, um, that are quantifiable by nature, um, a lot of people deem that to give them a sense of worth. Oh, you're in a good job. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Look at your grades, you know, and you know we also place some sense of false virtue on people with um some sort of monetary value in the world we think oh okay um this person is materially comfortable therefore they um there's some value to their personhood simply because of that you know and that, um, we often deem as, you know, as the receiver of such comments and, and ad- adoration. We see that as a sense of self-worth. Okay. Um, basically, we measure ourselves based on a projection that we create of ourselves to the world. Right. And if that projection fits in to what the world deems as valuable, then we consider ourselves valuable. Okay, Does everyone understand that? We create a projection of ourselves and we present it to the world and we say, world, well, this is me. And if the world sees what you have projected um, from a false ego point of view as valuable, then you consider yourself valuable. Okay, or a person that has some sort of worth. So that's the common idea that we have of self-worth. But this external quantitative value of personhood is not only fleeting, but it is also a breeding ground of devaluing humans devaluing ourselves. Okay, so think about it. Um, And if we follow the rationale of external quantitative basis of measure of self-worth, if we follow that external quantitative measure of self-worth, it also implies that you can extrapolate that by definition, if someone doesn't have what society considers to be valuable, then They are not a person of value. And isn't this the case that we often see? And isn't this also then what springs up things like, you know, um, prejudice and and discrimination? Because you do not possess an asset which society has deemed valuable. Therefore, you are considered not valuable. Or, even more, harmfully, you yourself consider yourself as not valuable. Okay? So, does having one social position over another position make you less or more of a person? No. Does having more money, having um, a better financial or... uh, a greater bank balance than someone else make you a better person? No. Um, the number of social media followers that you may have, does that make you a better person than someone else? No. Um, whether it's this, whether it's your grade in in schools and even more controversial topics, um, as we are seeing in today's day and age and, and the world that we live in today, you know, topics of of race of of gender of nationality does having one over another make you more or less of a person and the simple answer to that question is always fundamentally no okay you see the problem is this is that we then internalize these external, quantitative measures of self. We internalize them and then we define our self-worth as that. When that isn't the case. This external, quantitative measure of self-worth is one of the most detrimental belief systems that we can harbor. Um, it it absolutely stunts and suppresses the human spirit because when you start believing that um, your sense of value as a person is dependent on factors outside of your own control that could sway at any instant um, and be rejected at any moment, then your sense of self-worth will always be fluctuating, will always be in flux. So, I wanted to first strongly define what self-worth is not. I wanted us to, first of all, kill the lie. To understand what self-worth is not. So that's the first part. I hope everyone, we're still all on the same page here. Okay, so now, now that we know what the lie of self-worth is, let's begin to investigate what self-worth actually is. And before we actually dive into that, there's a quote I want to read from one of my favorite um, Roman Stoic philosophers. His name is Seneca. And there's a book or rather transcription of of some of his lectures that um, was written into a book called um, um, Finding Happiness. And I want to pull an extract from that book from Seneca and read what he says about self-worth. These are the words of Seneca. He says, Wealth holds a certain position in my life, but holds the highest position in yours. With me, riches occupy a certain place, but with you, they occupy the highest place. Concisely, my riches belong to me, you belong to your riches. So Seneca here is, is challenging us. He's saying in effect that we've become slaves to this external quantitative projection of ourselves, which is dependent on so many external factors for self validation and hence self worth. Like he's saying, My riches have some sort of place, some sort of value, um, and uh, they occupy some sort of meaning in my life. They belong to me. But in your case, you belong to your riches. So now let's consider for a second as we start to define what self worth is. Let's strip away all our external quantitative measures of value and ask ourselves, what are we left with? So if you're a student online, you know, let's strip away whatever sort of um, um, educational or schooling esteem that you might have. You might have like brilliant grades or you might have, um, you might be good on the sports field. Or you might be popular or whatever it is. Um, if you're a working person, you might have this job or that job. you know we can put together any number of different external um, measures that society has deemed valuable. We look at all of them, and then let's just strip that all away and ask ourselves, what are we left with? basically when we strip away all of that and we look at what we are left with we're left with the question of who are you? when you're bare and naked to the world with no material accolade to present before the world the real question is who are you? okay so the answer to this question leads us to true self-worth okay so because the definition because by definition the journey of finding self-worth can't be based on any externalities can't be something that is based outside of yourself by definition It has to be internal and because it is internal, therefore, by definition, the journey of self-worth is inherently a spiritual journey. Because journeying within oneself means uncovering one's layers of conditioning, material conditioning, and that can only be done through the spiritual process of self-realization okay so self-worth is not an external quantitative thing it never is okay it is an internal qualitative exercise it is self-contained and based on the intrinsic value of the soul okay It's based on the intrinsic value of the soul, or in other words, the force, the living force that animates this body, that gives the mind and the the intelligence its critical faculties. That's the soul. And self-worth is based and hinged on the understanding that the soul is what animates this body and what gives life to thought okay so now if we consider it on the value of the soul the spirit the soul's only sense of worth there's a beautiful sanskrit quote quote here "Jivera poi Krishna nityatas." that's the soul's only sense of value and worth is that it is part and parcel of the supreme of krishna of god okay who is Sat Chit Ananda? Eternal, full of knowledge, and full of bliss. And the living being himself is eternal, full of knowledge, and full of bliss. So we hear this often, you know. I am part and parcel of the supreme. I am spirit, soul. I am eternal, full of knowledge, and full of bliss. We hear it all the time. Um, But if we don't have a deep appreciation of it, of the simple point, we cannot really come to having an empowering sense of self-worth. You can't have it. Because your sense of self-worth is not based on reality. It's based on a temporary lie. The soul... I, you, we all are beautiful, we all are whole, we all are complete, valuable, worthy, because we are eternal parts of God. So, having come to this realization, we're now in a position to be honest about our material position so we've understood that self-worth is intrinsically spiritual and now having that understanding we also have to reconcile with reality and understand that as the soul I'm also in this material body okay so we have to be honest about our material position okay and ask ourselves the question then what are the characteristics abilities and limitations of this body okay so i'll use myself as an example Um, i am someone who's very nerdy i i like to to read my mind is um, the disposition of my mind is such that it always needs to be learning something you know and growing up i i was very shy about this point and often felt that it alienated me from, from others. Oh, what will people think if, um, if I have like this insatiable thirst for knowledge? And so I kept it, you know, low key under wraps and didn't want to express or exhibit that, um, too much. And in doing so, I was actually repressing a an important part of myself, an important part of the um, psychophysical makeup, that I, as a soul, have inherited, okay um, And it is only with this process, this journey of coming to a better sense of understanding of my own self-worth where I am finding greater and greater confidence and conviction to be able to say, Hey, this is my disposition. And whether or not the world accepts it or not, it is who I am. And if I accept it, and it and if that is accepted by the Supreme, which it is, then that is what actually matters. So, this journey of self-worth, you'll come to the understanding that really self-worth is contingent on one simple thing. And that is deep self-acceptance. If you cannot accept who you are as a person, You'll always be trying to fill that void with things that you are not. So, with a deep sense of self-acceptance comes an understanding of what value you can give to the world and what role you can play with the world. So I hope you can see how this is coming full circle. From the initial question that was asked for me, what role can people play within an organization? But before that, there's these steps. Uh, having deep self-acceptance and having understanding real self-worth in order to understand what value you can give to the world and what role you can play in the world. But Maybe let's pause and ask ourselves the question, why is self-acceptance important for understanding the value that you can give to the world? And it's simply based on this. People can only meet you at the depth that you have met yourself. You can only. hmm, Maybe let's put it this way. You cannot give the best of yourself to the world. If you yourself do not know what is best in you. So. Having deep. Self-acceptance. Leads a profound understanding of your self-worth and that is a spiritual journey it's not an external quantitative measure it's a deeply spiritual journey when all material assets have been stripped from you what are you left with who are you And you can only give the deepest parts of yourself to the world according to how deeply you've understood yourself. So let's look at some tools for finding self-worth. And then after I share these tools, we can have a nice discussion. So what are some of the tools for, for say, finding yourself a sense of self worth. Fortunately, this process of bhakti yoga, of selfless loving devotional service, is a process that allows you to, um, because it is absolute. It allows you to experience the fruits and the realizations of the destination in the course of your journey. So in other words, the journey in and of itself is the destination. As they say, um, devotional service begets devotional service. Bhakti begets bhakti. So it's not about, hmm, all right, Um, Mukundangri has said, um, self-worth is about introspecting, about going within and understanding, having an internal um, and self-contained sense of acceptance. Therefore, I shall stop what I'm doing in the world because that really doesn't define my sense of self-worth. And focus on myself without really engaging. No. The process of devotional service says, engage yourself. But what must change is one's consciousness. If your consciousness is still hinged on the idea that I am doing this um, to get some sort of adoration. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I I am this. I am that. Um, praise me, praise me, praise me Look how good I'm doing Or even on the contrary When you do something And you slip into this really Down and and depressed mode of Oh, I didn't do this so well And the outcome of this activity I wish it was like this And it wasn't like this Then you understand That you're performing whatever activity that you're performing, out of a false sense of pride, out of false ego, out of a sense of wanting for yourself. And whenever any activity is performed in that way, the fruits of that activity, you know, the limited temporary fruits of that activity, you inherit that, because you haven't opened a channel for higher spiritual realization. So how do you perform? How do you transform that activity? By linking it to the supreme. So whether or not you're in school, whether you're a working person, whatever sort of material position that you're in, when you perform your activity, you say, I am performing this activity for you, my dear Lord. I am performing this activity as an offering to you. In our Bhagavatam study group this morning we were reading about Bhishma Dev, the great warrior, and he was shooting arrows into Krishna. You know, it's described that he was he was on the battlefield and he was, you know, on his chariot, and he'd pull back the bow and fire these arrows into that are aimed directly at Krishna and Arjuna and some of these arrows would graze and pierce Krishna and there were specks of blood and sweat and dust that covered the body of Krishna Um, dust kicked up by the hooves of the horses that were running around across this battlefield and at one point in the battle Bhishma was ready to kill Arjuna and what did he do? What did Krishna do? In order to protect Arjuna, he got off the chariot, grabbed the chariot wheel and went hurtling forward towards Bhishma, ready to attack him in order to protect um, Arjuna. And Bhishma describes that image of Krishna that 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 military stance that he took as he raged towards him as the most beautiful sight that he'd seen and this is his meditation as he's passing his final moments at the end of the battlefield as he lay there on a bed of arrows so why do i tell the story is because There's Bhishma, a warrior. You may be a student, a working person, a mom, a dad, a sister, brother. Whatever you are within the material world, that's not the actual thing. The most important thing is your link to the Supreme. So even if your position is a position of fighting and shooting arrows into Krishna's body for his pleasure um, then that's fine as long as that is performed for the satisfaction of the supreme okay so that's the first tool to finding self-worth the practical application of devotional service everything that you do offer it to krishna something as simple as a cup of tea something as simple as writing in your journal every night something as simple as chanting one maha mantra something as simple as cleaning your house everything can be done as a meditation that connects you, Sambandha, forms relationship with the Supreme. Okay, so that's the first tool. Active participation in the process of selfless devotional service, or in other words, Bhakti Yoga. Okay. The second principle is daily meditation. One Aspect of this process that of this journey of self-worth that I've discovered over the last 10 to 15 years of my own life is that if you do not section off a time in your life on a daily basis that allows you to connect with your higher self and the supreme self then the quality of really hearing and hence discovering who you are will not develop, it won't be refined. Meditation is a process of of careful hearing. And so we wake up at a certain time of day when there's least distraction so that our hearing can be at its highest position. All right. So we here in order to gain a better understanding of who we are. All right. So daily meditation is a sec- second tool we can use. All right. The third tool I want to give everyone is the tool of keeping good company. Now, we all know, I mean, some of us, like during this lockdown period, we've, you know, tried to stay in shape and all of that. And in order to keep ourselves accountable, we might have a, a fitness group that we started with a couple of buddies. And why do we do that? We do that because we want to be accountable for our actions every single day and we also want to surround ourselves with people who encourage us okay when you surround yourselves with people who have traversed the journey that you want to traverse and or who are traversing the journey that you want to traverse that is empowering okay that's empowering. So similarly on our journey of finding our self-worth, we need to be around people who encourage us. But not only encourage us like, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know, like mom would encourage us. Like mom, you know, um, you can sing and your singing might be like, uh, you know, at least for me, like the croaking of a frog. But your mom will always be like Oh you sing so beautifully my child And that's sweet, that's nice Everyone needs encouragement But you also need honesty And that's the importance of having um, Deep and close relationships With friends And with people who are a little bit more mature uh, And who have an understanding of things that We may not be able to see based on the current position that we are at in our lives. And by virtue of that experience, they're able to forecast for us. Hey, look out for A, B, and C. And when you do encounter that, don't be surprised. And this is how you can deal with it. So keeping good company along this journey. All right. So those are the tools selfless devotional service, daily practice of meditation, and good company, good association. These are the three tools we can use to develop a greater sense of self-worth. And then from there, it becomes very natural to know what value you can bring to the world and what then role, whether you're young, old, this, that, in this organization, in that organization, what role you can then assume and play.